Our sponsor today is GAPS, established five years ago. GAPS brings water remediation and soil amendments to the agricultural businesses of Ontario, Canada. Phosphorus runoff is a big deal. This company coordinates and facilitates grant-based projects that are built to test new phosphorus removal products on an ongoing basis. GAPS provides these successful R&D products in their toolbox of solutions and are sold to the producer, golf course, and municipalities. Their goal is to help build better soil and to manage water without the use of chemicals. Visit GAPS at gapsontario.com or visit their link in the show notes. Hi, and welcome to the North American Egg Spotlight. I'm Chrissy Wozniak. My guest today is the founder of Tech Agriculture, which is an agriculture services and technology company based in Northeastern Ontario. They help farmers manage uncertainty and stress by remotely monitoring their field crops and connecting them with timely agronomic advice using ag tech and dirt bikes. From New Liskert, Ontario, Canada, I would like to welcome Ben Scapelhoman. Welcome, Ben. And how are you today? Christy, I'm doing fine. Happy to be here. Yeah. So can you tell me a bit about your background and how you got into a career in ag in the first place? Oh, I was born into ag. I grew up in a dairy farm and uh, always sort of done it. Um, I think it's a genetic defect. It's also addictive. (laughs) You know, you you can't get away from it. But uh, done this always. Uh, Originally farmed myself uh, probably 20 years ago. And then uh, moved to a different part of Ontario, up here in north of northeastern Ontario, to run like a kind of a corporate grain farm. It's like a ten thousand acre type uh, cash crop grain farm in a cooler season area up here. We're growing Western Canadian crops, really, but in Ontario, right? Canola and wheat are our major crops up here, and um, so that's how I arrived up here. And and uh, after a few years running this this uh, commercial grain farm, started my own crop consulting business. That was about 10 years ago, I suppose. So we give farmers advice, uh, agronomic advice, crop scouting is a big part of what we do here. Mm -hmm. That's great. And the technology available to producers is mind mind blowing these days. And, you know, from drone footage and satellite imagery to mobile apps that identify diseases and insects. Um, But what you do, in fact, bridges a gap. So tell us about what um, tech agriculture does. Yeah. So, so when we're advising growers, um, you know, um, looking for problems in the field, we're already using satellite imagery. Uh, we've used drones our, ourselves here in the past, <clears throat> still do. What they're good at is, is uh, uh, seeing a big picture, you know, sort of like NDVI, Satellite imagery is great at seeing a big picture, but it's 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 post information. It's after the fact information. It's almost like yield monitor data in a sense is what what already happened, and that's that's really useful, really really useful for for making uh, uh, management decisions for the future. But um, we're trying to make uh, decisions immediately that have an impact now that aren't too late. So. Um, in the field, crop scouting is is what's going to happen. What do we see developing? That's what's really important. And so um, we're trying to bridge that gra- gap between satellite imagery, uh, aerial photos, and you know something you would see down in your hands and knees. And so that's what we're um, experimented with and worked with in the field locally last year, and are are you know expanding out this year, which is 
in the field imagery, high zoom imagery, sort of like Google Street View, but higher definition, higher zoom. So something you would see from your hands and knees, you know, uh, is that a flea beetle? Good. What type of flea beetle is it? You know, that's what we're trying to be able to see with this imagery and, and so far so good. So it's, it is um, like drones, but it's very close to the ground. And sometimes even in the ground, we're digging around and there's imagery from, you know, what's below the surface too, right? And that's, that's, uh, that's just something we're, we've not successfully been able to do from, from way up high in the air. Wow. So how does it work? So it's, uh, is it a camera on a helmet or, or what, how does it work? It's uh, it's a bunch of cameras on uh, sensors on electric dirt bikes. And so um, we're trying to get imagery, uh, really trying to put the agronomist or the grower in the field, right? So it's about productivity. It's about record keeping, but we're trying to put the grower in the field or put me in the field even, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're, we've got some imagery that is, you know, taking a look, a broader picture from, from ground level, looking out, seeing, okay, is the crop lodged? Is it, is it generally looking good? What, you know, general imagery. And then there's sort of outriggers on the bike, looking down at plant populations. And this is, this is from about three feet away. So, um, so we're looking down and, and looking into the crop very, very closely. Right. Yeah. So, and so why not just use UAVs? Yeah. Um, like I said, uh, they're great at the big picture, but um, there's some limitations with them. And, and one of them is actually prop wash or down wash. You know, if the drone gets very close to the crop, it, it's disturbing, the you know, blowing the, the leaves around, scaring off insects and so on. So that's an issue. Um, and then just, uh, the, you know, to get a good enough camera with a good enough lens, it's heavy and expensive. And um, so that's an issue. Licensing and regulations are yet another issue. Um, whereas uh, with the dirt bikes, we can send summer students into the field and uh, they seem to really enjoy it. We send summer students into the field. They're light. These are much lighter than, than gas bikes. And uh, so those are kind of the, the reasons. And like I said, too, sometimes we need to get into the soil, right? Like what's happening below? The crop's not emerging. Why? Right. And so even uh, even imagery of that's helpful that that drones just can't do. It's the boots on the ground effect. Right. Yeah. And like you just said, you use electric bikes, not gas bikes. And I guess that would be quieter, too. Yeah, quieter. There's there's a whole host of reasons, actually, that they weigh half as much as a, as a gas bike. Easy, easy to operate. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of a combination of an electric or a, of a dirt bike, a mountain bike, and a scooter. These things we were oh, actually yeah. standing up on them. And we're driving down the sprayer tracks, right? Or between the rows. And, um, you know, so we can go a lot later in the season. As long as there's sprayer tracks in the field, we're good to go. And, and you know, in most parts, at least regionally here, almost all fields are sprayed uh, with fungicide and so on uh, in season. So we've got tracks to run down all, all season long. Right. That's great. So typically how often are growers or agronomists really in the field crop scouting? Really in the field, Chrissy? I don't, I don't know. They're, they're, um, they're by the field lots. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're in the field with sprayer, right? Yeah. If, if, if the grower themselves or someone, you know, that, that uh, has got lots of experiences in the sprayer, um, they're scouting from the sprayer and uh, 
And that's actually really good, good scouting. It's just that it's, it's a little, um, it's the same thing. It's after the fact and it's a little too far away from the crop. It's not down your hands and knees. And you can see that there's something going on, but not sure quite what it is until you get down there and look at it. So I think there's lots of that going on, but especially in Western Canada, you know, or, or locally here where farms are 10,000 acres or, you know, larger sometimes, that's a lot of ground to cover, right? If they're 100 acre fields, mm-hmm. 100 of them. You're in 100 fields uh, every week, like in detail, that's hard to yeah. do. That is For hard. sure. Yeah. Driving around the edges just doesn't cut it anymore, right? It's a start, but but um, getting in the field, like uh, uh, we're on a, basically on a grid basis, right? So when we're out there with the bikes, it's we break the field into grids and revisit those those grid points, and so um, it's a lot more representative, sort of like grid soil sampling in a sense, I guess, right? And you've got imagery from each of those spots, and you can just click in and look at, you know, pick an image of the field. Uh, click into it and have a look around. It could be from a week ago, two weeks ago, a year ago, right? And um, whatever. And um, so you're you're able to cover just more of the field, get a get a better feel for what's in the corner, not just uh, the edge sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And so, does the software integrate with common software that's already been being used by farmers? Yeah, we're working on it. Um, Right now, we, we've got an, an integration with Farm QA in Fargo, North Dakota. We uh, are working on one, and we'll have it ready for the spring for Ag World, mm-hmm. which is owned by Simios out of uh, British Columbia now. Um, we start with those, actually, because we use them <laughs> here. Those are the two programs we use. Um, um, there's another one, Crop Scouter, out of Saskatchewan that we're, we're trying to get integrated with. Mm-hmm. Um, and lots more, but I, I really want to hear from input suppliers or growers, anyone that would be interested in this and find out what they want to integrate with, right? What are they already using? Where do they want to see their images or, or, or link through to them? Because we're not trying to, uh, not trying to get anyone to download a new app. I know how frustrating that is mm-hmm. sometimes. And so if they're already using something, we'd rather just, just, uh, integrate with those. Yeah, that's that's really useful, especially with data overload these days. You don't want to be checking in 10 different places to try to make it one decision. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so how does the logistics work? Does your team travel around to farms or do you have local teams set up in various locations? How does that work? Yeah, right now we're strictly regional. So we're, we're mm-hmm. just in northeastern Ontario here uh, this spring. Would like to get into some southern Ontario uh, this summer. And also get into at least one part of Western Canada and just learn a little bit and see how it uh, how it would work out there. But it's our own teams. They're, they're summer students or interns, mm-hmm. right? And um, um, you know we're tr- we're getting out to the fields once a week, or maybe some on demand um, sort of visits as well. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, I say that because last year locally here we had big big frost problems uh it was the end right at the very end of may so our soybeans and canola were were mostly up and we had to reseed like all of the soybeans locally and it's most or half maybe of the canola right and so in situations like that we were in we were into the field and a day later back in the field and then a day later back in the field because <clears throat> is it dead is it not is it, is it recovering do we need to replant it and that's where this um you know this sort of 
on the spot type crop scouting is really, really useful, right? And where the grid's really useful because it's fine in one frost is like that. It's fine in one part of the field, not in another. So we'll see how that goes, but um, um, some on demand will probably feature into this. Great. And with these terribly high input costs this year, what can producers do to pivot and reduce the costs? Is it possible to make several small changes to maximize profit in 2022? Yeah, I think I think that a lot of things are out of our hands and mm-hmm. growers' hands, especially right in terms of uh, input costs, seed costs. Um, on the bright side, uh, commodity prices are right now high too. Mm-hmm. But um, a lot of those things we can't do a lot about. What we can do a lot about is is management, right? So it's not tied to inflation, really, right? Yeah. <laughs> to, to a certain extent, it is. Labor's hard to get. But but management is really, really going to matter. So it's a matter of getting the most of it out of what we have this year. So, um, you know, in the past, I think of oats. We grow a lot of oats locally here. Uh, oats in the past weren't worth much. It was a low input cost uh, crop, excuse me. Uh, and you could afford to make some mistakes because the implications weren't all that serious. Um, but now if we're, you know, on some crops, thousand bucks an acre plus fifteen hundred bucks an acre, whatever. Um, even a five percent change in, in yield with the same inputs is very, very significant. It's an order of magnitude uh, bigger impact than the cost of say crop scouting, right? Yeah. So um, you know, if 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 flea beetles are the issue and and they're not monitored, and you have you know a wreck or a thinned part of the field. Um, that is going to have a significant impact and could have been prevented. Cutworms are another thing that comes to mind. Yeah. Frost, you know, we can go on all day, right? But small things, um, really it's about patrol and being, being on the ball and being everywhere at once. If we can do that, we can, we can maximize these crazy input costs that we have, right? Or, yeah. or, or, or get the most out of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's more about stopping being reactive and being a lot more proactive, right? At the beginning. That's right. It's about being on the ball, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, and so if, if some of these things are just left to their own devices and we just like, well, we, you know, it is what it is. We can take big losses. We, we're putting big money into it. And mm-hmm. now we need to try to get the decent yield so we can take advantage of the other end. Right. And so it's really about uh, helping out with management stuff. So I think that's really important this year. Um, um, I don't know. No one knows where things are going to go. All we know is right now, uh, it is what it is, right? So we have to make the most of it. Yeah, absolutely. And what are you seeing as the biggest challenge for producers this growing season? And in your opinion, what's the best way to navigate those challenges so that there's success on that other side? Yeah, biggest challenge is probably the markets they're they're wild you know and um and just uh the uncertainty is a huge it's always an issue in agriculture we don't know what the market's going to do we don't know what the markets are going to do but right now uh seems to me anyways the world is very very unpredictable yeah maybe i'm politically naive i don't know but the world seems unpredictable to me and so i think that that's a big issue with growers what to grow is probably already decided right so we have to make use now of what we have and maximize what's out there 
Yeah, that's it. And are there any opportunities that you think that farmers should be leveraging this year? Other opportunities? I think that, um, you know, labor is always an issue, right? So uh, it's always in short supply. I think that um, if there's a way to kind of leverage the rest of the industry for advice and this sort of thing. So if they have, if they have agronomists um, that they can work with and they might be sales agronomists, they might be, they might be uh, private agronomists, they might be their own employees that they can get out there, but um, anybody they can use to, to, to leverage and give it, give useful and timely information is really going to help. Right. And so uh, that's kind of where we're driving as well here is um, if you think about it, um, crop consulting or, or, or agronomy, at least that, um, that we're working with with growers is all about trust, really. It's a trust business, yeah. right? And so, um, I'm not going to give advice to a, to a grower in Western Canada or in Southern Ontario, way outside of, of my region here locally, or, or maybe in, you know, uh, this, you know, U S somewhere. Um, I don't have local expertise. And so what we can do is provide, um, provide a snapshot in time and growers can see it themselves or their agronomists can see it and advise their own growers based on the information. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, it's, it's really about making use of lots and lots of different people that uh, trusted advisors and, and people growers trust and because they know them. Right. Yeah. Those are really great points. And so think about what you've learned over the pandemic that made your company stronger, more agile. What are some of those things that you learned through the last two years? I relearned some lessons that uh, I learned a long time ago, which is to be a little more um, self-reliant, okay, and a little more, uh, you know, try to diversify a little bit. I learned a lot. Uh, I don't know if people remember this in Canada, but mad cow uh, disease back in 20, uh, 2003, right. uh, I actually had hundreds of beef cattle at the time. Oh, <laughs> and, wow. and so... Yeah. And so it was, a, it was a wild ride as well. Right. And, but, uh, I, I learned to not maybe, uh, get over reliant or to focus on one thing because it can only be a little bit exposed and, uh, same thing with, with COVID, right. That's one thing I learned is to, is to, um, just spread out a little bit and, uh, have a few irons in the fire. And that's what you can do with, with uh, a variety of different crops in some parts of the world. Um, I guess that would be uh, one of the major things. The other though is um, there's a myth. I think it's a myth that uh, farmers are a little bit slower to accept technology, mm-hmm. a little bit uh, wary of it. Um, I don't know that that's factual. You know, that's it. I don't see that at all. I see them embracing it. <laughs> I, I just don't see yeah. it. So, so during, you know, beginning of COVID, you know, we, we were all on zoom and so on. And, and, um, and I saw no difference between farmers or anyone else. They were, it was a tool, a solution. Every, you know, everyone used it when it suited them, right? And um, so I think farmers, if technology is useful, yes. will, will adopt it. If it's shiny and new and expensive and doesn't do anything, they won't. They're, these are no fools. So, um, you know, that, that's something that, uh, that became more obvious. Yeah, that's great. So how can people find you? They can find me on uh, on tech.ag, which is T-E-C-C. 
um, that would be the best place and on social media as well. That's very good. And are you looking to add dealerships or companies uh, who can offer your service? Is that, is that something that you're looking forward to? Yeah, I think we'll do that uh, mostly through partnerships with crop input suppliers. As yeah, nice. uh, as we roll out here, we'll um, you know they're they're trying to provide a service or uh, some value add to their growers. We will probably provide this service through input suppliers um, or large farms. We'll see how that goes. Like I said, yeah. we're in northeastern Ontario this year and, and and getting into a couple pilot markets to see how things go. But that's our expectation, right? And that's smart too. Those are the guys that know know best what needs to happen when they when they see the data so that, that it's, makes sense. it's a bit of trust too right yeah. so growers uh, growers know who they've worked with before in the past and uh and they'll take advice from from these guys because it's worked for them well and uh so that's that's what we're going to work with too mm-hmm. that's great and so one one last question for you what are you most passionate about and why do you personally serve the ag industry Two questions, uh, Chrissy. That that's mm-hmm. going to cost extra. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, I just I just love the outdoors, right? I, I love um, I love working in agriculture. I miss the days actually um, when it was open station tractors. You could smell the soil, kind of thing, right? When you're working it up, I it just I love springtime and a lot probably because it's winter right now, but. I love the smell of the ground. And so uh, I do love working in agriculture. I love to create. And if you think about it, um, agriculture is a creative industry. We're, we're all creating something. We're growing stuff, something from nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, I just love that. Now, what was the second question? And uh, why do you personally serve the industry? Yeah, um, I think that... Um, I think there's lots of things we could be spending our time on that have maybe less impact. And I, I just want to work on something impactful, right? Mm-hmm. Something that, um, something peaceful and something impactful. I think this is it. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing more honorable than feeding the world, right? <laughs> well, Having there might be, but, but yeah, but this, this, uh, this does it for me. So, yeah. Well, that's good. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. And uh, it was a great conversation. And thanks to everybody who's watching or listening. If you want to learn more, the links will be provided in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe to North American Egg Spotlight on YouTube, Rumble, or Egg Fuse channels. And the podcast is available on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Amazon, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And have a great day. Thanks, Chrissy. Thanks so much for listening to today's Egg Spotlight episode, where we put the spotlight on people and companies doing great things for the agricultural industry. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher, or on your favorite podcasting platform and give us a five-star review. You can also follow us on YouTube and Rumble to see the video version of Egg Spotlight. Also, head on over to NorthAmericanAg.com to subscribe to our Industry Connect update newsletter. If you're interested in advertising opportunities, email us at connect at NorthAmericanAg.com. Thanks for listening. Our newest podcast by North American Egg is called What Color Is Your Tractor? The stories behind the egg brands you love and the egg brands you love to hate. Hosted by me, Chrissy Wozniak. We take a deep dive into the companies that have built modern agriculture 
Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Go to whatcolorisyourtractor.com, available on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Fastline Auctions, the ultimate destination for online farm equipment auctions. Looking to list equipment? Fastline Auctions knows farmers, and farmers have trusted Fastline for their equipment needs for over 45 years. With unmatched digital reach and direct-to-farmer catalogs, they can find the right buyer for your equipment. Not to mention, they have the industry's lowest commission rates. And if you're looking for equipment to buy, you can bid with confidence. No buyer premiums, no reserves, just integrity. Fastline Auctions, your trusted platform for hassle-free, cost-effective farm equipment auctions. Visit Fastline.com for more information. You can join us for a tour of the Fastline Auctions platform July 13th at 6.30 p.m. To register for this webinar, go to NorthAmericanAg.com slash Fastline hyphen webinar. That's NorthAmericanAg.com slash Fastline hyphen webinar to register now.